Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, actually this evening, my time, and we'll say uh, in the morning as my guest co-host time, we are recording overseas again. This time it's not over the pond, as we were saying with the UK. This time we're back in Australia. So uh, this gentleman, we're going to have some fun today, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be more of a business-themed podcast, okay? This guy might know a few things about marketing. We might even talk a little bit about sales, but we like to have fun on this show. And he's not just a marketing guy, okay? He's actually apparently an author. He might know a few things. I'm trying to figure that out. So we've talked about that as well, but he's a globally recognized marketing expert. And as I hinted with the author, he's a best-selling author. And he's made it his life's work to provide a framework for marketing small businesses. And we all know how hard it is for the small businesses out there to succeed. So I love bringing that fuel to the fire for you guys. But he's proof that you don't need a degree from a fancy university to become a highly successful entrepreneur and sought-after business coach. And you simply need to know how to consistently market your business better than your competitors. And I'll share a quote later in the show because he provided a great one that I also believe in. But without further ado, Alan Dib, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Scott. Pleasure to be on the show. So we were just joking around. Uh, you are dialing in at, you said, 10 a.m. your time? Yeah, it's just uh, almost half past 10 here. There we go. Coming up on 10.30 a.m. And it's I'm East Coast time here, U.S., so it's almost 6.30 my time. So... Uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm from the future as well. It's, uh, yes. it's, it's Tuesday here. So. Yes, there we go. We are literally speaking into the future. I love it. <laughs> and, and actually, so I don't want to hold this one back. I, I love the I, – I, maybe you actually know. Do you know which quote that she shared on your on your application? I No, I don't. I'm okay. you'll, you'll notice as I say it. So you are not in the business of what you do. You are in the business of marketing what you do. Exactly. Love. Exactly. I had to share that before we got any deeper in the show. <laughs> you couldn't have put it any simpler. So let, let's just dig in, man. Why do you care about marketing and helping small businesses succeed so much? Look, to, to, to me, it's kind of, you know, I, I speak to audiences all over the world. And, you know, sometimes I ask a question, um, what do you think the business failure rate is? And some people say 50%, 60%. Some people say 90%. I don't know what the actual figure is, but no one's ever said anything less than 50%, right? I would agree. And and <laughs> and I think that's just insane that we all just accept that, that, that 50 to 90% of businesses are just going to fail and we just simply uh, accept that. And, you know, to me... I don't accept that. I think we can we can make a positive influence on that figure, um, reduce the failure rate, increase the success rate, and you know, to me, uh, dialing into the marketing aspect is the thing that can move the needle most. There's many aspects of business we could concentrate on, but to me, uh, marketing, getting leads and customers into your business is the thing that can move the needle most to to positively affect that figure. Well, which is great too, because somebody who's come from the sales and marketing world too. Um, I love it because <laughs> when companies want to trim the budget, where do they trim it yeah. from? Yeah. <laughs> the marketing yeah. budget. It's like, exactly. Exactly. You're, you're just shooting <laughs> yourselves in the foot. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and if 50 to 90% of cars ended up in fatal crashes, I mean, there'd be riots in the streets, right? We, yeah. People wouldn't accept that, but we accept that for, for businesses. 
it, it does drive me a little uh, bonkers once in a while. I'll use that word. Uh, I, I, I do get passionate about this. I could tell you do yeah. too. I mean, the small businesses, this is what, at least here in the U.S., this is what builds and sustains the economy. It's of not course. the multi-billion, multi-million dollar corporations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's actually the small businesses, and this has been proven time and time again, but people seem to forget this. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, small business is the the backbone of the economy, and you know, it's just tragic. I just, uh, I just can't believe that this is something that is generally accepted. That the school system is kind of rigged against entrepreneurs, and you know, that's something I, I want to change, and that's something that I know you want to change as well. Oh, I'm glad you brought that one up, Alan. Because <laughs> uh, I'm like yourself. I, the way I grew up, I, I mean, I grew up. I was, I was a farm kid. And then I had the opportunity, at least in our schools, I'm interested to do the uh, comparison here from the U.S. to Australia, but I don't think we ever talked about this. The, in, when I was in high school, you had the choice of studying, we called it back then, college preparatory courses to you know, prep, prepare you for the university. Yeah. Or uh, junior, ju- sorry, sophomore, junior, and senior year, your last three years of high school here, you could uh, then also instead – go and study at a vocational school or a technical college. So I did that. I studied microelectronics technology. I used to be able to literally, I would solder chips into circuit boards and tear computers apart and all kinds of techie stuff. (laughs) So I learned that in high school. And people were like, I say that nowadays, and people are blown away by that. Like, you learned about that kind of technology in high school? And I said, yeah, but back then, I didn't think it was that cool and exciting. (laughs) But... I did not take any college prep courses because I didn't think I was going to go to school, uh, to college or university. Yep. And then yep. I, I guess I got cross pollinated with people. I, I was working, I was working my way through high school and I had to work my way through college. And, uh-huh. uh, but I saw f- other friends of mine from other schools preparing to go to school. And I thought, well, uh-huh. maybe I, maybe I can go to the university because maybe I'll be the first one in my family to do so. And yep. all those thoughts started popping in my yep. head. So when you go back that far, like, did you have those types of thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Look, look. Uh, to, to me, I mean, sc- school and what school prepares you for is and entrepreneurship are two completely different things. I mean, school prepares you for um, becoming an employee, essentially. To be a great you know, employee. <laughs> be a great employee. Sit down. Be quiet. Follow the rules. Do what you're told. Do your homework. Come back the next day. Do it all again. Um, and you know, look, it's understandable. I mean, for, for the vast majority of probably the last century, most people were uh, employees. But now in the last probably decade or two, I mean, the technology has just enabled people to become entrepreneurs with a laptop, uh, with a with an iPad even. Uh, so it's just incredible uh, what's available now. But the school system has not evolved to, to supply those needs. So it's just... You know, it's rigging people for for failure. So they're teaching kind of the marketing and business stuff um, that you would need to know working as a marketer or something in a large company, working in a marketing department, working for someone. But, um, you know, they'll spend four or five years teaching a chiropractor how to whack and crack backs and they won't spend a single class teaching him how to get a client, you know? So, um, or, or even build a sustainable business, you know, yeah, right? Like yeah. even, if he, even if he does like start luck out, he or she – starts landing <laughs> clients. They don't know anything exactly. about accounting. Like I can't exactly. tell you how many medical experts I know that exact they're the perfect example of just somebody who went to school, they're passionate about maybe healing people and getting yep. people healthy because we geek out about health on this show. Yeah. And then nobody 
taught them, oh, thank you for caring so much about health, wellness, fitness, whatever it may be. Here's the tools to the success bin. You know, here, here's your keys, you know, to the castle, so to speak. And yeah. now you can build a sustainable business with that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And just the way things are structured, I mean, right now I'm expanding my team. So I'm hiring people who are experts at things that I have no idea about thing. Uh, you know, so, um, so in business, the way you succeed is you hire people that are smarter than you. You hire people who can specialize in a particular role and they manage that part of the, the business in school. If you say, Hey, I'm really good at math. So I'll do the math test you're really good at literature. So you do the literature test and we'll team up and we'll work together. That's called cheating. Right? Yeah. Right. Whereas, <laughs> whereas in, and in we all but... had that. I mean, unless you're you know borderline genius, I believe we all had that. I think when I was yeah. in high school, I excelled in mathematics, hated English. Then I yes. went to the university years later and all of a sudden sucked at math and loved English. It was just amazing. My brain just shifted. I can't explain it, but I, to your point, with what I know now, I would have just outsourced my weaknesses and focused yes. on my strengths. Yes, yes. In school, that's called cheating. So you're not allowed to outsource <laughs> your weaknesses. You've got to know it all. So, well, so. I, I love where we're going with this because, <laughs> so your brand, I love your brand, by the way. And actually, you know what? For our video watchers on the YouTube, well, let's do a little screen sharing. But ladies and gentlemen, if you want to follow this gentleman, all you got to do is search for successwise or successwise.com is, is the domain. But I love the fact that you threw in the word wise. I mean, we're talking about education right now. We can kind of tie this to wisdom. Uh, I got to ask you, because I'm a marketing guy, was that some of the underlying principles that went into you creating that that, that simple branding? Yeah, look, I, I started this business with the idea that uh, I wanted SuccessWise to be essentially a repository for success education and uh, success being beyond business. Right right now, we're very business focused and we're very marketing focused, mm -hmm. but um, I can see that expanding down the track. I believe in fully dominating a particular niche before moving on to another. So we're still nowhere near done with um, marketing and business. So working on that, but very much I wanted it to be around the concept of success education and uh, conveying that very clearly and succinctly. Now, is that what drove the book? That's very much what drove the book. In fact, you know, the, the book, uh, you know, you find, um, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention, right? And uh, to, to me, that's very much the case with the book. So uh, for me, the book was all, uh, I, I didn't, I'm not really an author or anything like that. Um, I love you know, you I quoted that because I do the same, <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> I didn't one day sit, sit and dream up, okay, what should I write in a book or, or whatever? It really came from a need that my clients had. So uh, I, I was coaching clients and I was trying to get them to uh, write a marketing plan because, you know, let's, let's plan out what we're going to do. Uh, and I found it was very, very difficult. Very few clients did it. They felt it was too difficult, too expensive, too onerous. And so I created a process called the one page marketing plan. It was a process before it was ever a book. Sure. And, um, the compliance rate shot right up. So, you know, it, uh, I made an easy framework based on direct response marketing that they could fill in, in 15, 20, 30 minutes. Hmm. And it just got a lot of traction. And, even outside of my client base, when I would speak, I would present the one-page marketing plan concept. And again, more than anything I would speak at, um, it got the most traction. So I wanted to get it out to a wider audience, and that's exactly what I did with the book. So um, the book really came from a market-driven need rather than me kind of dreaming something up to, to write about one day. Well, what I love here is you, you clarified it started as a process. 
So yes. you don't know something is going to be successful until you at least start implementing it and evaluating it as a process. And then obviously getting client feedback and you're testing it in the market. And if it's yep. got a great, as you pointed out, a take rate, because I obviously per the name of the book, one page marketing plan, if you can simplify it down to one page, I think you're going to increase people's completion rates. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, exactly. most people, I mean, look, what, what is the average, oh, let me challenge you with something here. What is the average business plan? How many pages does a business plan, on average, I see it's, most people never sit down and actually create a business plan, let alone a marketing plan. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, I can give you my personal experience with that. In my first business, I, I, I wasn't very smart, but I was smart enough to know that I probably needed to put together a business plan. And so I, I hired a guy who helped me and the, he helped me make an awesome business plan. It was had um, charts and graphs and projections and financials and everything. It was probably 75, 80 pages long. Ooh, and that's a long one. <laughs> it was a long one. You got me beat. And, <laughs> and guess what happened with it? It got shoved in the top drawer of my desk never to see the light of day again until we moved offices and I was throwing out all the trash. I, so. was, I was hoping you were going to say that <laughs> because I, I don't want to say a business plan isn't necessary. There is a lot of value that you get out of going through the process, there is. but there is. I'm like you when I, when I just had a, a newer client, I was coaching a few weeks ago and I asked them to do instead of a, a one page marketing plan, I had them do something as simple as a creative brief. And I'm yeah. like, what's a creative brief? And I said, you're looking to launch a brand. And who do you expect, how do you expect the web designer to follow the same protocols mm -hmm. as your graphics team, your social yeah. media? I mean, you don't have these teams yet, but obviously if you build a successful business, all of that is tied together. And yes. they, had, they had no clue. They're just, they just, they're just like, well, when can, I, when can I create a logo? I'm like, you are. You're nowhere ready for a logo. What is the logo going to tie to? What is your mission? Whether you want a mission statement or not, but you, you see where I'm going with all this. So, I do. I yeah. do. Uh, I, do. I figured you'd appreciate that because people are like, creative brief, what's that? I said, oh. <laughs> and in fact, it's funny. We've been going through that process right now. We're working on a slight rebrand and getting all of our visuals um, much more unified. So I've been going through that process over the last few weeks. I'm doing the fact. same. <laughs> which and there's yeah. another reason why you have that is you you go back to it and yeah. because what, what is the average rebrand ladies and gentlemen listening to this like they're like okay two marketing guys geeking out i warned you it's gonna be a business oriented show but <laughs> i think the last time i read the stats it's still it's still an average every five to seven years plan on doing yeah. some type of rebrand right yep yep i think okay. that's about right yeah, yeah yeah so it's probably been four or five years for me and you know especially that you know, we felt that you know now with the book and with the podcast coming out and all of this, really tying those things in together, that they, they were almost separate entities to date. So now, even though I'm a direct response guy, you know, and you know traditional direct response guys say don't worry about branding and all of that, I still uh, I still value good design and tying everything together. Um, so that's that's what we've been doing. Okay, I, I want to dig deeper into that. Let's pause. <laughs> Let, for, the, for the audience who doesn't understand the difference between direct response and something else, let's help them understand that real quick. So why did you pick that niche? What is, why do you love direct response so much? Because I figure once you explain why you love it, it'll, everybody else will understand what it means. So, Look, to, to me, direct response marketing is really just uh, small to medium business marketing. Uh, that, that's the way I explain it because 
Um, there's two types of marketing camps, I guess you could say. So there's direct response marketing. That's where, you know, you spend a dollar and you expect to get a dollar fifty or two dollars or ten dollars back in revenue. When you write an ad, uh, you expect someone to take a particular action. That action could be uh, buying your product, it could be opting into your list, um, it could be sending back a coupon, it could be uh, dialing a phone number, any one of those things. So when you when you write an ad, you expect someone to take some sort of action and then because they take an action, you can measure those actions. So you can say, right, we ran an ad, it cost us $10,000, we had 300 people opting in, we had 20 people buy and then we had 10 people upgrade to the next level program. So, and you can measure it, right? So we spent $10,000 and we've got $25,000 back. So that's direct response marketing in a summary. Then there's a brand building mass marketing type of marketing. And that's essentially what the big companies do like a Nike or a Coca-Cola or an Apple. Sure. That's, that's billboards, that's logos, that's kind of TV ads that kind of are just all about um, getting people to remember their brand. Um, so it's about brand recognition, about people sort of just trying to re remember you. So, and and not, I'm not saying one's bad or, or one's good. Oh, They're no. both good. They they both both good. They both work. They both have their place. But in my opinion, a, a small business doesn't have enough firepower to do mass marketing and brand-based marketing. That they've they've got a small budget, they've got a small timeline, so they they need to get a return on whatever they spend on marketing. So, for a small business, uh, up until they get to a particular stage, uh, really, it's all about direct response marketing. And even for large businesses, I mean, they're huge, multi-billion-dollar businesses that are highly reliant on direct response marketing. But once you get much bigger, once you, your budgets are much bigger, once your timelines are much longer, then you can start putting a branding element into your, your marketing and really spending a lot of money on that side of things. I love we're digging into this because I do have, I have a couple of very, very loyal fans. They're actually local here too. And they both have these, uh, I love, I love promoting the side hustle, right? Because, mm -hmm. There's no excuse not to become an entrepreneur these days if you're passionate about something. It just, Indeed. I think the biggest thing is we have to learn to be patient in that process so you can build something sustainable and then graduate it from the side hustle into mm -hmm. the, to, the ability to replace your primary income. And then you can become a full time entrepreneur if you want. Or yep. maybe you just love having side hustles and side businesses and you keep doing your employee career thing. I know people who do the mm -hmm. same. Yep. Um, but I loved your point earlier where you said, the other direct response guys kind of laugh at you because like, oh, well, you don't need to build a brand. Well, <laughs> my th my belief is, and as I've, I've, I've taught them as well, is like, guys, like you have to build your brand because you're, I look at building two businesses as two ways. One, you're going to build it. You're going to have it forever. It, it mm -hmm. is your brand. It is you. It is your lifelong company. Mm -hmm. Two, you're building a business to sell it. Yeah. That's really it. I mean- that's how I look at it. I mean, it's really two ways. But I, in both of those scenarios, you're building a brand. I mean, if someone's going to buy my company, they're buying the brand, the systems and the protocols and the processes that uh -huh. I've built into behind the brand. Uh -huh. But there's still uh -huh. a brand out there, right? It's yep. So you can become the most successful direct response person out there. But then if you're not launching a podcast and you're not writing a book, what? how are people going to connect all that success back to you slash your brand, right? So like people think, oh, well, I, I don't want a brand. I want my name. I'm like, that's fine. Your name is your brand. We mm -hmm. need to build that brand, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The other thing I'll put out there is, I mean, there are massive 
different definitions of what a brand is. And and I'll put this one on back you uh, back to you, Scott. What's your definition of a brand? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, wow. There's so many different ways to define that, actually. I mean, for me, it's funny because I, I love giving people the history on Live the Fuel, right? So yeah. I looked at it back in the day and I said, well, not many people know who I am. <laughs> so uh-huh. I said, for me, I want to grow a brand and a, a, a brand, Live the Fuel. And mm-hmm. then as that grows and succeeds, my name will obviously come along with it. Mm-hmm. And then, for example, like fast forward to today, now I'm starting getting into more public speaking. Mm-hmm. I've become an author. I've been, I've been published in a magazine four times now, and I'm actually working on my first book. So I'm chasing mm-hmm. you. <laughs> so, But in the past, I'd say three to four years, as I started building the Live the Fuel brand in the beginning, I just wanted to be associated with positive, motivational, inspirational content. That's how yeah. I started. I literally activated a Facebook page, took a, a picture of a of fire flame because I'm a former firefighter and then oh, nice. created and I, I created live the fuel. And then I just started posting content on Facebook. Yep. That was it. Good. That's how it started. Perfect. 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 <laughs> Where Perfect. I'm at today. I mean, author, public speaker, podcast show over two years old. We, we just aired episode uh, 229 this morning. So yep. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a VA back then. I have VAs. I mean, so if I went back in time, that original business plan that I wrote doesn't, does not fully align with what the brand has grown uh-huh. to today. So instead of me just defining, I want to at least give you that direct association of how Live the Fuel was. It's like yep. people who find my show now, they don't know where it came from. It was as simple uh-huh. as I just started taking action and posting stuff that I cared about. And then for me, the Fuel's brand, I wanted to make sure as it grew, I don't need millions of followers. I want loyal followers who care about the content that we put out. And then obviously, hopefully through the podcast and things like that, I can help them find motivational or inspirational people. And for example, today's show, business marketing oriented, hopefully we pass on people to you. And it's like, great. I've been trying to find a direct response guy. Alan's my guy. Right. <laughs> so is that is that help? I guess explain. Or it does help. Define it, does it? help. it does help. I'll, I'll I'll give you my definition and see see what you what you think of it. To me, a brand is the personality of a business. Right. Mm-hmm. So similar to a personality of a person, it's a personality of a business. So when you think of a personality of a person, what what makes that up? So it could be their name. Right. So my name is Alan. Right. What does that person wear? Do they uh, you know, and that's kind of equivalent to like a, the design of a uh, of, of a business, right? Mm-hmm. Then how does that person communicate? Um, and again, that that can be equivalent to positioning or or you know that sort of thing. Um, what are what are this person's core values, right? So again, this is around your brand promise. Mm-hmm. Um, so who does this brand? Uh, who does this person or who does this brand associate with? And that's kind of like target market is this brand well known well that's brand awareness so w- whether or not you know you know it you are building a brand in your business the only the only thing is is whether you're doing it with purpose and knowingly so uh, if you've got a design style guide you're thinking about what your brand wears mm-hmm. if you're uh, like in my business, we've got a design style guide, which we're revising uh, at the moment, uh, as I mentioned, but we've also got things like a, um, a copywriting style guide. So how do we write email newsletters to our clients? Do do we write it formally? Do we have it graphic laden or do we have it conversational? What kind of words do we use? What kind of sentence structure do we use? Do we use simple, simple sentences or do we 
go for something a bit more complex and academic. So um, all of these things make up the personality or brand of your business. So whether you not whether you know it or not, you're building the brand of your business. Mm-hmm. It's just whether you're doing it purposefully or not. I like how you tied it back to the person because behind every company or every brand, there was the founder or the original yep. implementer. And yep. so, yes, even though there's Live the Fuel, Live the Fuel was actually, it started off as a quote. I created I, one of my favorite quotes when I was firefighting, when I left the corporate world. Um, and actually, Australia, you, you get it down there. So right now, California's all over the news again because there's big, yeah. dangerous wildfires. Yes. And I know Australia gets uh, wildfires. I, yep. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're in your area, but I know they happen down there. So that's what I did. I left the cubicle corporate space and I took two years and yep. I served as one of the elite hotshot wildland firefighters here in the U.S. So yep. changed my life. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. fire in my logo. Uh, the reason why I use blue and white is because if you look at the intensity, if you ever... I'm geeking, I'm geeking out, but you go back in, in <laughs> science class and you studied the universe and stars and uh, throughout the life cycle of a star, basically the hotter the fire burns, like white, hot, blue, hot, that's mm-hmm. hotter than yellow and red and orange. So I was like, all right, I'm, in, yeah. I'm, ve- I'm very intense. You know, yep. I'm an adrenaline junkie. People follow my mm-hmm. brand. Like I skydive and I'm a CrossFit guy. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Firefight. Yeah. So there's all, it's all tied together, but I had to lay all that out as you hinted, like, okay, I, before I even had a style guide, like I had to pick the colors I wanted, but what were they, what were they symbolizing? So I don't, people don't think about that. I'm like, Oh, why is the fire white and blue? Every once in a while I get a few people who do ask. And then as soon as I tell like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. So, um, but to your point, it has to, it is me. Live the fuel is me. Until live oh. the fuel and fuel marketing and, and fuel agency continues to grow. And, and if I have, if, if I ever decide to grow a big team, it'll grow beyond me, but it still has me at its roots. So my psychology, my psyche is intertwined with that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you remember, there, there was an Apple ad campaign a few years ago um, where I'm a Mac, I'm a PC. So yeah, the I'm a Mac was, was this cool guy in a t-shirt, funny, funny sort of quips and all of that. And the PC was this geeky guy in a suit and looked like Bill Gates. Uh, yeah. I think they even gave him a pocket protector at one point in one of the commercials. Uh, yes. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to me, when I think of a brand, that's what I think of. I think, okay, uh, if your brand was a person, you know, who would they be? Would they be the guy in the suit um, all dressed up um, speaking formally? Are they the, the guy in the t-shirt just speaking, hey, saying, hey, using casual language? So um, thinking about that. Since you're bringing that up, it just popped in my head. I got to hear your point on this. That I get. But do you feel, and these are big names, do you feel Coca-Cola and Pepsi just got so big that they don't have to do that anymore? Because they, no, don't, I, they I, don't, Apple and Windows, sorry, Apple and PC, they still uh-huh. do have that separation. Uh-huh. But what I, I mean, I don't I haven't drank a soda in over fifteen years because it's poison. Uh-huh. But when you look at Coca Cola and Pepsi, I don't see that like okay, well maybe one company is trying to tailor themselves to the blue collar space and the other one's trying to go to the white collar space. Like I don't real, I feel like they're just they're just so big. It's like hey, you're either Coke or Pepsi. I don't know. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your uh, point I mean. I think that, I think they've got their own 
their own audiences and you're either a Coke or a Pepsi person. And really uh, most of their marketing is focused on just making sure that you remember them and making sure that as you drive past the billboard, that it kind of either consciously or subconsciously embeds in your mind and you, you get a Coke that afternoon with your, um, with your lunch. messaging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work on me. Sorry. people. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I just I just feel like uh, when I when I think about them, I I feel like Apple, and and even though like I have a Windows machine here, and that I have two iPads out there, my fiance and I both have iPhones, so we have Apple devices, but I still love my Windows machine. So okay. it's you know I, I'm gonna have PC and I have Mac. I live in look, both worlds. So look, nobody's perfect, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta ask: is, is your whole is your whole office for Mac? You yeah, all, I'm, ah, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much all all in on Apple. So uh. <laughs> my only problem with Apple is they've made it harder for me to love them. You know, they're getting rid of all the physical jacks and and yeah. I mean, as a podcaster. The one hack in the podcast world is everybody says go find the old MacBook Pro or the old MacBook Air that had that still had the dual audio jacks, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's so yeah. much easier to jack it into a soundboard and do all the proper audio like I do here. Whereas it's easy on my Windows machine; I don't have to worry about it. But now that I've been looking at the newer devices, I'm like man, I feel like I would have to go back and find an old one online, like someone's like they all tell you to do, <laughs> and then gut it and rebuild it to make it my studio machine. And I'm like, do I really want to do that? Like, I, I feel like I should be looking forward to some of the new Mac technology. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have to say, uh, since, um, you know, a few years after Steve died, I think that they have made a few weird decisions and things that I, I don't think uh, Steve would have uh, let through to the keeper as, as they say. So, but um, I'll back you up on that. Yeah. Even though I don't have a MacBook sitting right here right now, I still, like I said, I, <laughs> I follow, I own stock and I'm like, it's crazy. It's also, it's really hard. You know, back to your point on branding, right? This is good. Oh. Steve is one of the, the founding mindsets behind such a powerful company. And unfortunately he passed on. Oh. So have you built your brand and your processes and your methodology so strong to sustain? And I mean, I would have thought he did to sustain his, his vision. And mm -hmm. now we're seeing that. Are they sustaining mm -hmm. it? Are they moving too far away? I don't know. It, it, yeah. it, is the company big enough now where it's not just about Steve and what he had created? I don't. Yeah, look, it's obviously bigger. Than, and it, even when he was alive, it was bigger than he was, but he was obviously a very driving influence. Oh, he was yeah. the one who just vetoed a decision clearly like there, there are things you, we see now that there's no way that that would have uh, gone through you mm -hmm. know when steve was alive but definitely i like, feel like they uh, take different risks now yeah i guess without yeah. him at the helm yeah. so yeah I, I, either way they're still an edgy company they're still doing i mean that's that's one thing they're staying true to their brand right they're they're coming out with stuff that you just never would have fathomed it's like oh yeah. they're not even see that coming. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they're yeah. still doing that. They're staying true to that brand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm still happy with them. And, yeah. Uh, but I still, I'll still live in both worlds. I have to, especially when I got <laughs> clients who are in windows and some are in Mac and not everybody's like my biggest client, they're all Mac. And then yeah. my second biggest client, they're all windows. So I have to yeah. live in both worlds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's starting to blend to, to where it's almost not that much difference. Um, it yeah, used to the, be a world 
difference. But the, man, the fact man, you can run double, dual operating systems now, yeah. that is pretty cool. Yeah. So again, yeah. li the listeners are hearing this and some of these people might not be as geeky as I am. And uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm getting Alan down the geek route. So we're, <laughs> yes, you could run double operating systems, meaning you can run Windows and Mac technology on the same machine. That never yeah. would have been fathomed 10 years ago. So yes. Yes. Uh, yes. it is cool to see the advancements. So, um, so I got to ask you then, when you relaunched the podcast, whole new concept like completely new name of it like what are you thinking uh, not 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 new name so uh, so I, I i recorded a few episodes and before i went live I, I scrapped it i said no this is like a me too podcast like everybody else this, okay the standard interview format so um i i've totally changed it i'm currently working on the new one right now it's going to be more of a narrative style uh podcast um similar to um uh, I, I took inspiration from Reid Hoffman's podcast. Uh, I really liked I've what, listened what, he, to it. what he did. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was really good. And there's a few others that I think um, did that concept well. I think it's good. It, it also doesn't rely too much on guests showing up. You can grab clips from YouTube or from other guests you've interviewed and work on a particular topic. So uh, I, I did like that format. So I'm working on something not, not quite the same, but s similar. And, um, slightly shorter. I didn't want it to be very, very long format as well. So I want it to be really punchy. That's um, true. I think I'm definitely a long format show. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's, uh, like, you know, not, I, I not as long, long as Joe Rogan. Well. That guy's yeah. really long. <laughs> yeah. Or Tim Ferriss. Yeah, they, they can be a couple of hours long. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I have had two, I've, I think I've had at least two shows that were over two hours. Wow. And yeah. it just, it just started happening. So I just went with it and, <laughs> uh, that we just had the time and the flexibility to do that. But I really try and keep them around that one hour mark or less. Um, I, but the good thing is like, you're doing it right now. It, what, what the audience is hearing is that you're, you have a brand within a brand. The podcast still has yeah. to align with what you're bringing to the table and what you care about and what you're going to be feel comfortable putting forth. I have people ask yeah. me all the time about launching a podcast. I'm like, number one, I'm not a podcast coach. Uh, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you my best practices and I'll tell you what I think, but in mm -hmm. the end it has to align with what you want and you have to look forward to doing it every day, just like running a business, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, like, uh, it, like you say, it's got to align with your brand, you know, some brands, the long format works really well. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it for me. I'm the one page marketing plan guy. I'm the clarity in a short, simple uh, framework in a small amount of time. So uh, I want the podcast to align with that. I want it to be full of value, fast moving, short uh, space of time. So that's, that, that's what I'm going with. Well, and again, even though the, the book is titled the one page marketing plan, like how many pages are actually in the book? Uh, I think it's about 225 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So, so let's be real. I mean, there is more to be had in this book, ladies and gentlemen, just one page. Uh, yes. That'd be yeah. hilarious if a publisher would ever actually print a single page book. That'd be <laughs> a lot of people ask, is it one page? And I say, the plan is one page. The book is not one page. I feel like you should sell it as like a stone tablet then. It's been etched in stone. Um, but marketing cannot be etched in stone. It's constantly morphing. It's constantly changing. I mean, for example, like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to successwise.com, by the way, I was reading your blog earlier today because I loved, loved the article on stupid marketing strategies. Like you just, first of all, great article title. I mean, why beat around the bush? Just call it as it, yeah. as you see it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly um, right. <laughs> and then there was also is word of mouth marketing slowing your business growth. So that was an interesting article, by the way. Uh, where, where did that one stem run from you? Like, why did you feel the passion to get that one out there? 
Yeah, like because a lot, uh, you know, I've asked uh, a lot of business owners what their main source of leads are, and uh, very often they'll say, "Oh, it's just word of mouth," and. Word of mouth is awesome, you know. Word of mouth it's is free. kind of like it's free, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it's it's like a free kick or a free lunch. We all love it, right? It's it's awesome. To, we'll take that every time. But it's not necessarily a reliable source of leads, at least not the way that many people do word of mouth marketing. I mean, there are more reliable ways of doing it, and I cover that in a chapter of my book. I I, I call it orchestrating and stimulating referrals. So mm-hmm. it implies something active, um, but. Uh, but that aside, a lot of people just kind of sit and hope and pray for new leads and new referrals to come into their business. And, uh, you know, that's not a reliable way, especially if you're an earlier stage business. I mean, if you've, you're a mature business, you've, you've had many hundreds or thousands of clients and uh, you will get naturally a, a larger amount of word of mouth lead flow, especially if you've done do a good job and you've kept people happy. But it's not a super reliable way of getting leads. Like, I don't know that five word of mouth referrals will come in tomorrow, right? But if well, I... Uh, as I say, it goes back to what you explained earlier. You're, well, you basically outlined a sales funnel, how you were talking about, yeah. hey, direct, direct response marketing, you you spend 10,000, you expect this, you get this. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. Like, okay, you talked, you went to an old-fashioned networking event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Here, here we call them Chamber of Commerces or whatever, which I don't do anymore, yeah. but you talk to 10 people and you force 10 business cards on them, which I, I can't stand either. And like, as, that's not marketing and that's not even proper networking. Let's be real. You're yeah. looking to make real connections yes. and that's a very slow process. That's just why you need marketing. <laughs> exactly right. That is exactly right. Uh, so yeah. I do agree with you. The word of mouth is powerful and you yeah. can't beat the quality of the lead because yeah. it came from a significant friend, family member, yeah. coworker, et cetera. Uh, yep. but I, I'm dealing with that right now. I, I have, we had an, a new concrete patio poured behind our house and it came from a word of mouth referral. Yeah. I, I am now taking that person to court because they, they just, de- <laughs> they destroyed our property to yeah, build goodness. the said patio and then wow. considered the, the, the yard damage next to it, not their fault, Yeah. but they, they, while we were not home, they drove a full size. You ever see a giant? concrete truck with the spinning barrel in the back yes 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 they yes. drove that across my yard goodness i was like and you didn't think that would destroy the property and you don't <laughs> and you consider that in your contract normal wear and tear that's crazy yeah. so that that ties me back also to uh from firefighting i have the words tattooed on my ribs um our, our hotshot creed was duty respect and integrity yeah, I pass that through everything I do. It, 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 I love it. That thought process never leaves my mind. I don't care if you're a small business or or a corporation. I, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see your opinion on that because of everything we're talking about, like literally right now. <laughs> um, especially if you expect to have quality word of mouth and everything else. I mean, that's what these guys don't know. I'm like, guys, like I'm an online marketing guy. Like, yeah, I could destroy you with a, <laughs> with a keystroke. And my fiance literally told me she's like, you know, you have to behave. Let our lawyer let our lawyer handle it. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, I, I was so tempted to, Alan. I was so tempted. It to. is tempting. It is tempting. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know. But then, what I, you but mean. then I, I did feel a little guilty. I'm like, you know what? No duty, respect, integrity. Let's see yeah. what these guys do. Maybe they'll come through in the very end and just walk away, because and yeah. and it really just comes down to your core values. I mean, your core values as a person, your core values as a business brand as well. So. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like you say, so, uh, you can destroy them with a keystroke, as can many other people to, to you and I. So if, if we don't treat our audience um, with respect and we don't treat our audience right, I mean, the last thing we want to do is end up on these scam review sites and things like that. I mean, even if it's... Especially even if in what your they world, th yes, because you're a direct response, yeah. so... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and even if they say, even if what they say is untrue and unjustified, and you're one hundred percent right, I mean, Google keeps these things forever. That's it. You know, your reputation uh, it can be trashed for forever by someone who's just disgruntled, doesn't know what mm -hmm. they're doing, or, or whatever. So, we really need to take a lot of care around our reputations and um, treating our audience and our clients in a in a very good way i i'm a believer in that old philosophy too i mean there's many different ways of saying it but long story short is i mean you know do one to others you know that mm -hmm. whole that whole thing well absolutely absolutely i mean is like okay the the, the project was only twenty five hundred dollars us we paid yep. you more than half up front yep. you still want the other half but I got to mm. spend almost that much with another company to properly mm. fix it because you didn't fix it. So yep. I offered to pay you the difference after I paid that person to fix what you messed mm. up. Mm. And they still mm. don't think that's good enough. I was like, I don't have to pay you a dime. I could just take you to mm. court and get you to refund the entire amount because mm. I have a good lawyer. Yep. I don't want to do that. I said, listen, we thought it'd be very fair. Yep. Just give you the difference. Because I have yep. all the, I photographed everything. I videoed everything. Like, you really think I don't have the evidence? And the owners of the business have never stepped foot on the property. Yeah, wow. I was like, guys. Some, like, some business owners just don't think long term. They think just but very But you and I care about small businesses. I'm like, guys, like, <laughs> and, and I found out the two owners, like, both have full-time jobs. I was like, you started this business as a side hustle. You're employing <laughs> other people to do your business in yep. your name. If a, if, a, if a mistake is made, you need to go show up on that property and give that customer FaceTime. If you're a, if you're a blue collar contractor business, like a landscaping company, that's just my business one-on-one tip. Yep. You're not an online business. Like yeah, the the only place they exist online is Facebook. They don't even have a website, I found out. So that's why I said like with a couple keystrokes, I could have more stuff online than they do about them, but I'm not doing that. Um, but it's like, guys, like, I could have sent you I'm a connector. I could have sent yeah. you so much business yeah. from the good yeah. old-fashioned word of mouth <laughs> for for years to come. Because I'm I'm yeah. I'm old school that way. Like when I meet an amazing yeah. business, yeah. they yeah. did such a good job on that patio. The concrete is beautiful. Yeah. But they're a landscaping company and they destroyed the landscape. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I can't overlook the giant the giant ruts yeah. and pits from a thirty thousand pound truck slicing through my property. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you see I'm my frustration, you. Alan? <laughs> I I very much see your frustration. <laughs> like, because here's the frustration for me. I'm like you. I care about businesses, yeah. and I want to yeah. help people's brands grow. And I yeah. have to sit here and bite my tongue because they don't yeah. know what I do. And I'm like, <laughs> I could show you so many ways to not do it this way and help you grow your business, but I can't because you're idiots. <laughs> Well, well, the other side of the coin is some people just shouldn't be in business. And I've seen that many times. Some people would be just be better off with a job working for somebody else, oh, being yeah. told what to do. And every um, contractor and that came onto my property after them, they said, <laughs> these guys don't deserve to be in business. I never would have left a property look this way. He's like, how do these people do what they do? And I said, yeah. so, so just you said, like everybody who has looked at this since then, they've all said the same thing. They're like, these guys <laughs> should just close their doors. This is not how you run a business. So. Yes. Yes.
but again, uh, maybe they shouldn't be going off a of word of mouth anymore either because uh, they're not going to get any good out of me. And the guy, the guy who referred them to me, he owns the gym that I work out in, and I, I showed him the photos, and he's like, "Oof, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so now his his vision of of their their how they do business is now in yep. question too, right? Yeah, because we're all yeah. we're all interconnected. So yep. reputation's yeah, reputation's everything. It is everything, right? It is everything. I That's why I love you. I love the fact that you really stressed that just now about every email you send, um, every phone call you take, every text you send. It's this is your messaging. You got to mm-hmm. take it seriously. And we all yeah. make mistakes, right? I mean, have yeah. you ever had to do a, uh, who, I don't know what you want to call it, a cleanup campaign or a, oops, my bad, this is what we meant type of thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I haven't, but I know what you mean. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. And um, um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. But uh, it's, it's very important that, you know, not only you, but your whole team understand your values. So, mm-hmm. That, that your team are not signing you up for things that you're not happy with or not delivering the kind of customer service that you're not happy with. Like my team know that when a customer has a problem, we need to take care of it, right? So we need to uh, make sure that they're happy. We need to make sure that, you know, we're, you know, even if, and, and you know, th- this is the bit that a lot of business owners don't understand. Even if the customer um, is not doing things right. It's our responsibility to help them do the right thing. It's yeah, so, sometimes you have to coach the customer through the process. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because a lot, a lot of business owners think, okay, I've sold my, my fitness course to the customers, but you know, your responsibility is that they get a result from that. So it's not just about selling the course. It's your responsibility is that they get a re- result from the course that you sell. So, you just dropped a huge bomb there. If anybody <laughs> listening to this has ever considered direct response marketing, he just gave you the extra step that most campaigns don't teach right there. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you stress a lot of this, but this is something I see okay. time and time again. Oh, I got them in my sales funnel. They've already bought yep. the program. It's not my fault if they don't ever log into the website and use exactly. the program. I've already sold my stuff. I'm like, but yep. the whole reason why you're selling this stuff is to help people, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that yep. your purpose? Yep. Or is it yep. just exactly. to make money? I think this goes back well, to your and, point. And, and, you, and you won't make money for long because, uh, like I said, maybe maybe it's no fault of your own. Maybe you've you've done everything right. You've sold them the stuff. You've given them the login. You've given them the information. And they haven't gone and, and done and got the result. They're still going to, in their mind, mm-hmm. they didn't get a result from you. And, you know, that's that's something that is on you. And, and I think it really is. I mean, these days with the tools and technology that we have at our, our disposal, the onboarding um, tools that we have, there's really no, you know, there's no call for you not being able to deliver yeah. a world-class experience to your customer where your customer can get a result, where you've done absolutely everything you can. Um, and that might be a personal onboarding experience. That might be through help desk software. That might be through one-on-one videos. There's nothing um, wrong with automating your processes as long course. as you have all of the necessary steps in place to, to your point, following up to remind them like, okay, great. You bought the program. So within 24 to 40 hours, you want to remind them, Hey, have you logged in yet? Have yep. you checked it out yet? Do you, yep. ha- you have any problems? You know, give them an opportunity to interact with you. And yeah, some yep. people get busy and they might not get to it for a week, but mm. that, that still doesn't mean, okay, well, I've already done a week's worth of follow up, so I'm good. But yep. then I would be running a, I would run, I'd be running a, a log report of my training program, for example, saying, okay, well, what is the percentage of take, take rate? How many people have logged in? How many have actually made it past chapter one? 
Yep. Okay, what can I do to do something better? Because these are your word of mouth. These are the people that are then going to say, yep. hey, I'm already in that program. It's great, right? Because you yep. want testimonials. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Test testimonials. Exactly. <laughs> I, I recently hired onto my team a, uh, a role I called the director of uh, customer success and her literally her you know it's an expense it's a uh, but literally uh, her role is to make sure that uh, customers are using the membership uh, product they're using it uh, they they know that all the features that are available even though they've they've been onboarded that they're using it that they're getting a result for their business and that that is her role to make sure that 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 happens and and her role is to personally touch base with each member uh, via email or via phone whatever it takes to make sure that we're helping customers get a result so that's what you know um, that, that's an example in my business I mean in other businesses there there are many similar examples but um, it, it's about making your support proactive rather than reactive a lot of people wait for a ticket or a complaint or something to to come to them this is about being a bit more proactive and going to the customer saying hey scott uh, i noticed you signed up for the membership last month you haven't logged in um is there a problem can i help you mm -hmm. uh, should we get on a one-on-one -on -one call and and see how you can use the membership more effectively you're preaching to the choir again you're just dropping nuggets of knowledge <laughs> here for the listeners because again i think this applies to anything in life is if you're living a life that's reactive you're going to constantly have problems the rest of your yeah. life. This goes, this, yeah. this, this is tied to relationships, love, romance, yeah. like everything. Like yeah. if you, you might want to just pause and think about something like, well, what can I do to be proactive on this situation? Yeah. Or you're just waiting for the train wreck. I mean, yeah. if you have an opportunity to step in and just try and help it along the path, that's huge. Um, and you're talking about the membership thing. So are you referring to your inner circle that I saw on your site? No, the, so the inner circles, um, the subscription to my um, uh, my mailing list. Oh, okay. um, I've got a uh, membership called uh, Marketing and Business Academy. Okay. Um, Real quick, ladies and gentlemen, if you're on the blog section of his site, that's where I found it. It's right below the book link yep. where you can score the yep. book as well, but join the inner circle. So, yeah. Um, but hey, so sorry, go ahead. You were saying about the membership thing. Yeah, it's, it's called Marketing and Business Academy. And so we that's where we go deep into um, implementing marketing in our businesses. And uh, we do monthly live trainings and there's a one-on-one -on -one component there as well. And it's where I release a lot of my um, premium content. Nice. Now, is that something that's directly linked from the main site? Um, it's not currently directly linked because I do like an evergreen launch. But if you go oh. successwise forward slash membership, you'll see the, okay. the sales page. There. And so, so is this something um, that's still open in case small businesses are hearing this? Uh, yeah, this? yeah it, it opens and closes. So we, we have a cycle where we take an intake of new members and then we close it up. Oh, so if people subscribe to your inner circle, they'll yep. be notified next time that it opens. They will. Oh, there you exactly. go. Exactly. So there's, there's yep. your action item, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. <laughs> Just put your email in the inner circle, hang tight. And especially if you're a small business person, like it can't hurt to get a few more tips and tricks, you know, yep. um, and then obviously eventually get into the premium content too. Yeah. So, no, yeah. this is good. Because again, I love the fact I use this, to, uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I use this in my show all the time that if I'm talking to a nutrition person or a, a scientist or an author, or it doesn't matter. Uh, the one big takeaway I want the audience always to hear, we are coming to the end of the show because I'm going to give you the final words, but we are all just at a different place in the timeline. That's just something that I've started using over the past few months and I can't get it out of my head because it is so clean and simple. Maybe not as clean as your one page marketing plan. <laughs> but like this, I tell people like, whether you're considering to register your business name as an LLC here in the USA, a limited liability corporation, I don't know what you guys call them down in Australia, but, uh, or you're, you're just thinking about turning on that first Facebook page 
and you're you're gonna stick a, a picture of a fire on there and call it live the fuel and then and then post your fo- post your first motivational post or it's two years later you're running a you know you're writing a book and you're running a, a over two year old podcast show whatever mm-hmm. um, the point is we're just all at a different place on a timeline and we just we just gotta catch up and just yeah. keep putting in the reps so and your content is definitely gonna help people with that I do love this so yeah uh, oh you have a countdown on here too. Okay, well, that's that's for a new offer you got going on there. So I've just yeah, your yeah. So so we, we we close it and reopen it on a, on a I think a, on a six six week um, basis. So um, yeah, that way we we get an intake of new members. We can concentrate on getting them onboarded, getting them going, and then um, and then we re- reopen it down the track as well. Well, I mean, Alan, I love it. I appreciate you giving us all the time you did today. Uh, from down in Australia, so I, I, I will <laughs> never I will never try your your accent because. <laughs> any 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 continental U.S. American who tries to fake an Aussie accent, it's just rude. I just we don't we don't do it well at all. So um. no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It was a pleasure being on your show, Scott. Yeah, yeah you're a font of wisdom as well. And so. well, I gotta <laughs> ask you because I, I know you've done such a good job of narrowing down to that one page marketing plan. So I always have my guest co-host close the show out with some final words. It could be. An all-encompassing message, maybe, again, going back to that purpose behind everything you're doing. But it's just something that if they forget everything else you shared today, which, again, ladies and gentlemen, don't worry about it. We transcribe the notes and get them all into the blog content so you're you're not missing some of the big nuggets and knowledge. But is there a message you want to leave behind to the audience, Alan, today that kind of is behind everything you're doing? Absolutely. So, it, it, and it ties into the to what we started the show with. But it's it's this: it's the best marketer wins every time. And you know, a lot of the time we concentrate on delivering a great product or a great service, and and that's awesome. You know, that, but that's a customer retention tool, right? Hmm. So having, like we talked about, having a good product, good service, customer retention. Before we think about customer retention, we've got to think about customer acquisition, right? Because uh, people only know how good you are once they've bought from you. Before they've bought from you, they only know how good your marketing is. So the best marketer wins every time. So resolve to become a great marketer. I do love that. And I'm a very competitive person. So I like the winning component <laughs> on there too. Well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off of the air. Ladies and gentlemen, successwise.com. Get on there, check it out. We already hinted at you towards the end of the show here. Get on the email list because that's where you can keep in touch with that, uh, his little VIP program that he's got going on, the membership group. But obviously, if you're trying to simplify your marketing, seriously, check out the book, The One Page Marketing Plan. I'll have it linked in the show notes so you guys can just click one click and get to it. But again, thanks for tuning into another amazing Live the Fuel show. Uh, Alan did not uh, hold back and he dropped some serious bombs today. I want you guys to all go back and listen to this a second time uh, or just go to the pod, the, the podcast blog note and just take note of everything I have linked in there because I'm going to put it all in there. I love the little bombs he dropped today. So again, thanks for tuning into another Live the Fuel show. We're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. We crush it on the business component today. Let's make marketing easier for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're here to fuel your health your business, your lifestyle. And again, Alan and successwise.com. Check them out. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, Live the Fuel listeners. This is Scott Mulvaney, your chief intrepid officer, your podcast co-host and founder of Live the Fuel. Just want to take one to two minutes more of your time and give you a little extra value at the end of each of these episodes. Uh, First off, I wanted to make sure you guys got over to livethefuel.com and actually took advantage of my Super 7's resource guide. It's a free offer. 
and it just gives you uh, 21 different resources to fuel your own health, business, and or lifestyle success. Just some of the tools and applications that I've used and books that I've read uh, over the years to help me grow in a personal and a professional mindset. Now, while you're on the website, hop on over to the supported brands section. I created a new section on the website just to promote brands that I grow and have trusted in my personal and my professional life. I mean, there's, there's applications on there that I use in business-wise, but more importantly, healthy lifestyle-wise, there's companies that I've had founders on this show. Just a quick name drop them. You got Eat Pilly Nuts, you got Pure Vitamin Club, you got my connection with Isogenics since 2010, since I was wild and firefighting. Love to be able to help you get healthy and fit, lose weight or improve your athletic performance, or heck, in my case, I'm 40 now, age better. And uh, another quick little plug on there is Villa Capelli. Love their olive oil. And real quick note, Villa Capelli and E-Pilly Nuts, I have my own discount code. So go to lilyfield.com, click on the supporter brand section to get into the resources page, and you'll see my discount code. So enjoy that. Now, while you're on the website too, I've also now built another new tool for you guys, Fuel Library. So the Fuel Library is obviously, as it says, it's a library of the either digital audiobooks from Audible or physical books that I've either purchased, uh, borrowed, consumed, etc. Uh, heck, even actually half of these authors I've actually now had on the podcast. So feel free to go to Fuel Library. I've divided it into health, business, and lifestyle directed sections, and I've been building that out. I'm still looking to add a lot more content because there's tons of authors and amazing books out there. So again, go check that out as well. And then uh, two last things for you. One, Please, if you get a chance, get over to iTunes and give this show a review. It's going to help us grow the exposure and help other people out there in the world find Live the Fuel and also find these amazing co-hosts I bring on here to help them influence and hopefully positively change their health goals, their fitness goals, their business startup goals, their lifestyle, etc. So please, submit a review. I would love to be able to start reading your reviews on a future podcast. And the last thing I'm going to go in here with is my disclaimer. I'm throwing disclaimer in because honestly, I talk a lot about health on this show and business and obviously health and fitness impacts your lifestyle. So please, if you are suffering from a medical illness, a disease, etc., remember podcasts in general do not replace professional advice. So if you have concerns, please go obviously consult a professional. I do bring amazing professionals on this show, but in the end, this is free content that we're sharing over the podcast world. This does not replace obviously a one-on-one -on -one consultation, whether it be with a business consultant, a, uh, a lifestyle coach, etc., or obviously a health or medical doctor. So again, that's just my quick disclaimer. This is free content. Take it as such, but please see your professionals. Thanks for listening, gang. Talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.